Okay, so today I feel that um, God has given me um, a prophetic message that he wants me to share. And uh, most of the time I just normally preach sermons, you know, like any, any good pastor should do. But I have another aspect to what God has called me to do, which is prophetic. And on the prophetic, can I just have that down just a touch, Colin? It's just a bit, bit loud. Um, and uh, on the prophetic side, you know, we, we can see it's the messages that we're talking about are getting out there. I got an email from, uh, who is it, YouTube the other day said, you know, we've had over 100,000, we've only got 1,000 subscribers, we've had 100,000 people listening to sort of the prophetic content on there and also on the podcasting side of things, ten, not, yeah, tens of thousands as well. So, uh, so the prophetic side, although isn't really relevant to the local little church like this, because it's almost a bit too big for the local church, because it would just blow you all away. But the messages that will be said, like the message to be said today is really for the wider church. It's a message for the UK. Uh, for any visitors here today, I apologize. Um, this might freak you out a little bit, uh, but uh, you know I do tend to get prophetic stuff from the Lord, um, and my wife will testify. You know, pretty much most of the stuff that God gives me has either come to pass or is coming to pass, um, and so uh, you know there's quite a good track record there. So what I might be saying to some people might seem outlandish, but you know, wisdom is justified by children. In other words, the proof is in the eating. Let's wait and see. All right. Um, so I'm not. You know. So we're going to start with this scripture that, that God gave me this morning to start this with, and it's from Joshua chapter one, verses one to three. And uh, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant saying, my servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people into land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I promised to Moses. Now we read those words, they're just very matter of fact. Yeah, he woke up one day, Moses is dead. Joshua gets a word from God, hey, Moses is dead. I want you to now take on Moses's mantle. And we just read that very casually and cavalier. It's like, yeah, blah, 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 whatever. But I just want you to think about this for a second. Moses was probably, uh, up until Jesus, the greatest prophet that ever lived. I mean, there was no one who'd done the kinds of signs and wonders have been used by God to do those kind of things. No one. Never in the past. Not Abraham. Nobody. OK. And uh, even by today's standard, he's, he kind of ranks pretty high up there. Right. So nobody. And then and then the day comes that he's died. And with that comes the end of an era. The end of a generation, the end of something that everyone had grown up comfortable with, that Moses was this great kind of pastor over the people. But Joshua was a different leader. He was, uh, he was a soldier. He was the one that was normally fighting the battles. So when uh, Moses was on the hill and he was holding his arms up and he had to have his brother and some other guy holding his arms up in battle, it was Joshua down on the ground who was doing the fighting. Okay, so Joshua was a man of war. And so it was Joshua who was raised up by God and called to send the people over the Jordan and all these people into the land that he's giving to them, to the Israelites. So Joshua's job was to get the, the Old Testament church out of the wilderness and finally into the land of Israel or into their promised land. This week, uh, God has been showing me uh, this vision of this big clock, giant clock, and you know you've got these cogs and things turning around and we've been in various different seasons of the church over the last hundred so years but what i felt god saying is that the the clock is about to change 
and it's now just on the threshold of the next hour and when this big cog turns then the link pin thing goes clicks in place and then the hour hand clicks in place and we're now about to come into a new hour a new season Moses my servant is dead the old ways of doing stuff is soon about to become utterly obsolete in ways that are shocking the things of the world because you're going to see a parallel here between what goes on in the church and what's going on in the world and what's going on in the world with what goes on in the church because judgment starts with the house of the Lord does it not say that and so there's things that are coming to the house of the Lord that are also going to be mirrored with things that are going on in the world and some of the things that are going to happen in the world like the, you know for the Israelites to wake up and find that Moses is dead and this whole new well that's all we've ever known and where are we going now and Joshua I mean yeah he's all right he's a good guy but where are we going with him he's not done all these great signs and wonders and so people are going to wake up very soon to a world where the old system is over and the clock is just about to tick and I felt the Spirit saying, and again, this is predictive, and I've been used by God to do predictive prophecy before. Um, God used me in 2007 to predict the, the exact day of the stock market crash, and uh, three months before it happened. And in this, I felt the Spirit was saying that literally on midnight of the first day of autumn of this year, the clock will change into the next hour. Not going by an Israeli system or an Israeli clock or calendar, but by the British clock and by the British calendar, because God has a plan for Britain that is specific for Britain. And on that moment, on that hour, when we suddenly hit autumn in the UK on midnight of that night, the new season has shifted and we now walk in the beginning of that new season. When you come out of one season into another one, the effects aren't immediately obvious, are they? So when you go from spring into summer, you don't just wake up one day and go, wow, thank goodness all that rain's over now. It's like, it's summer, yes, here we go. Get all the kit off, go down the beach. It's not like that, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a phase, but something has changed and nature reflects that. And so what we're going to see now is trees that are slowly going to start losing their leaves. What you're going to see in the things of the world, you're going to see the systems of this world starting to fail. And you're going to see some incredulous things in these days. There's going to become things that are going to really shock the church. The Spirit said to me a little while back, there's something coming that's going to make the church real and stagger with shock. And what's coming is you're going to see a lot of the church in the next two years, a lot of the established churches or great denominations are going to vanish. They're just simply going to vanish. Why is this? Because, as Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. But the problem is, as the people, as the Israelites, they left Egypt. But the problem is, even after the complete destruction of Egypt, because it says that God made a public spectacle over the Egyptian gods. He devastated the economy of that, of that land. He devastated the military of that land. He devastated the, the religion of that land. God devastated it. And you have the, the Israelites who are in the wilderness who've still got Egypt in their heart. And they're like, oh, if only we could get back to where we were. And you want to know why they were crying and groping and gro groaning about that? It's because life was tough. When you go into the wilderness, life is tough. 
And life for the church is going to get tough because of the things that we're coming into. This new season is a wonderful season, but with it will come much change and much consternation. And you're going to see some things that are going to happen to this nation economically that are just going to leave most Christians reeling and staggering in shock. But this is a message of hope. This isn't a message of doom and gloom. God is going to do some great stuff. And I'm going to get that to that in a minute. But I need God wants to make it very clear to people that things are going to dra drastically change. From autumn this year, the season has changed. Everything will change. This is a complete new paradigm, both for the church and for the world. And I just want to say now, because of the leaves of the trees will start to wither and fall off, I declare to Stonewall in the name of Jesus that you are coming down. There are already fissures in your brickwork. There are already cracks taking place. And I declare to you right now, and I prophesy in the name of Jesus, that you, Stonewall, are coming down and you will be ground to powder and you will never, ever rise again. In fact, the name, even the mention of your name will be forgotten. You will never rise again. And God would say, you have placed yourself into positions of power in government where I never sent you and you were never elected. You are a coup d'etat and you are coming down. Your days are numbered. And as the season changes, as it will do from midnight, when we come into autumn of this year, Stonewall and the beginning of that demise of that wall will begin. And she will be gone and she will be gone forever. With it will come the end of liberalism, hyper-liberalism. Hyper-liberalism will come to a close because it is the malaise of an affluent society looking for a righteous cause that it can't find because it's too fat and affluent and, is, and has become deceived in its own way and has gone not God's ways but her own ways. The agenda of the highly liberal left will collapse and fall in these days. The economical systems of our land are going to fall in these days. The government of our land is going to fall in these days. But as God tears away the veil of lasciviousness from this nation, this nation will start to turn back to her God again. This nation will start looking to Jesus again. And it will be in these days and in this hour that the church needs to be ready. But the problem is with the church is that she has too much Egypt inside of her. Everyone in this room, we have Egypt in us. It's in our hearts. I don't care how radical you think you are for Christ. You've got, you've got Egypt in your heart. And it's like a tapeworm. And God is going to have to take that tapeworm out. Some of it's going to be big and gross. And some of it will be little slithers here and there. But we all have Egypt in our heart. And God is going to remove it from his heart. Because God is looking for a pure church in these days. And because much of the church. This is not me judging the church. This is just a fact. Because much of the church has built her systems on the systems of Egypt. When God pulls the people out of Egypt and those Egyptian systems are pulled free from the church, many churches will collapse in that hour. 
This is not God's heart. This is not God's will. And I felt the Spirit also say this morning, don't ever rejoice over the downfall of your brothers and sisters in those organisations and those churches. It's not something you should rejoice at. It's something you should grieve for. Because they made mistakes. We all make mistakes. There was too much Egypt in their systems. There was too much Egypt in their hearts. And once Egypt was pulled, because God is saying, let my people go. Do you think everybody in, e in, in Egypt wanted to go? I mean, it was a mighty inconvenience, isn't it? All of those people being told by God, I don't know how many it was, they reckon about 1.2 or 2.2 million. There's a lot of people. And they'll be told to get out and to come into, start moving into their promised land. But God tested the saints when, when they were at, when they come out of Egypt, they were brought into the wilderness. He tested them to see what was in their hearts. We have had a mini test through COVID where God squeezed our hearts a little bit to see what was in there, to see how much the body of Christ would really compromise when the pressure was on. And the curtains were pulled wide and the veil of our hearts was laid bare. It was frightening to see just how it was just frightening to see people's hearts exposed like that. You know, the people that were like, um, that sort of come to church like half of the year and they're not really into church, but you know, you, you, it's just like never really a thing and stuff. But then when COVID came, it was the excuse that I don't have to go anymore because really in their heart, hearts, they just didn't value the importance of church. They didn't value the importance of the community of believers. And so for them, it was a good excuse to just opt out and never come back. That was just a little thing. And when God took the Israelites into the wilderness, he deliberately tested them. He gave them days where they didn't eat and he gave them days where they couldn't drink. And what did they do? This huge column of smoke by day and a huge pillar of fire by night. The Holy Spirit was with them. They could see his presence. They could feel the glory. They saw the miracles. They saw the signs and the wonders. And yet they still grumbled at the leaders and still grumbled at God. And God tested them in that place. This is a time, church, where we can't afford to get it wrong. Because there is a shaking that's now coming. You see, all that can be shaken will be shaken. But I'm a Christian and I'm, a, I'm of a kingdom that can't be shaken. Yes, but how much of the kingdom of God is in you versus the kingdom of the world? And the more of the world that's in you, the more you're going to be shaken. And so in this hour, God is calling his church and saying, now is the time, my beautiful church. Now is the time to rise. Now is the time to not cower and be afraid, but to rise up, to be strong and to be victorious. For the Lord your God is with you. I am behind you. I'm above you. I'm beneath you. And I go ahead of you and I go to lead you into the promised land, the promised land of revival, which has been prophesied over this nation for so long. And the glory of my spirit will go ahead of you as it did with the Old Testament church. But you cannot afford in these days to gripe and groan and complain. This will be a time where people trying to undermine church leaders and things like that will not be tolerated. Because the move of the spirit is going to be so strong. And now this is a warning to leaders as well, because they don't just get an easy ride here. The spirit has things to say to church leaders in this moment as well. 
When God was moving in the book of Acts, there was a beautiful revival going on there. And people were buying, people were selling their property and giving it to the apostles so it could be distributed to help everyone. And we had Ananias and Sapphira who willingly lied in the midst of a move of God. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is really saying, in this new move of the Spirit, there will be no tolerance of, of this kind of behaviour. God is a good God and he loves you. But the move that is going to be coming is so precious and so powerful that he can't afford people to undermine his work. And he won't, there will be no tolerance for leaders that will try to control it and manipulate it and call it their own work. This will be a place for humility. God is calling his church into a new season. This, this season, God gave me this vision years ago, and I've shared this many times. It was a waking dream vision, and as I saw in front of me this big canvas. It was like a big map, no a map, sorry, like a, a graph. And it had these dates, these years, but the years were sort of fudged out, so I couldn't see them clearly. And I saw this kind of curve, and it started really slowly, and it got bigger and bigger, and it shot straight up to the top, and it was known when it hit the top, called the golden age of the church. That curve was the incremental increase of God's glory upon the earth from a certain moment in time. That move is now about to come about. Again, August, sorry, not August, um, autumn is the key to this new season that we're coming into. But it will be a season of great shaking and shifting. You see, there are two winds that are blowing. First is the wind of holiness, then comes the wind of power. And if you don't turn into the wind of holiness, you can have no part in the wind of power. God wants to bring power back to his church again. God wants there to be signs and wonders. And we're going to see it exponentially in the days coming ahead. But we must turn into that first wind. And that first wind's not comfortable. No one wants to know how much of a sinner they are. No one wants to talk about it. Churches won't even talk about sin anymore because it's just not politically correct. We're more about getting the numbers in. We don't want people to go away feeling bad about themselves. We just want big churches because that's what success is today. Sin is a problem to a holy God and God is going to come and start dealing with things in our lives. He's going to start dealing with motivations and it's going to get mightily uncomfortable. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, he was stood right in front of the presence of God and what could he say? He falls to his knees and says, woe is me for I'm a man undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. The holiness of God is coming back to his church and it's going to purify his church and his church is going to be beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful church. But it's not going to be a church like you think it might be. It's not going to be a church you might even expect or hope it to be. It's going to be a very different church. God showed me a long time ago he's going to blend the spirit and the word together, but he's going to blend the ancient with the modern. Ancient church blended with the modern. you have any idea what that would look like? A lot of charismatics would, well, I'm not getting involved with that because it's like, we don't do all that kind of stuff. God is going to do something outlandish and there will be no more time in the future for you to get upset about because they're Catholic or they're Orthodox or they're Church of England, all that nonsense. In the days we're coming into, that kind of division God is not going to be happy with. God wants his church to be one and he wants you to love your brothers and sisters because they think you're as wrong just as much as you think they're wrong. 
I can see you thinking, but, but I'm not wrong, am I? I'm possibly, couldn't possibly be wrong, okay? I'm Protestant, or I'm what this, or I'm charismatic, goodness sake, okay? But we've got to get over ourselves. Hallelujah. The Spirit is going to do some wonderful things. We are going to see a tremendous revival that's soon to be outpoured. And here's a message for church leaders. God would say to you, the growth is going to be beyond anything you've ever experienced or anything you could ever dream to cope with. Because two thirds of the church are going to cease to exist soon, the greater pressure is now upon that one third of the church left in the UK to cope with that kind of growth. Don't you dare turn people away. Don't you dare say, this is enough. I'm not doing any more. I'm at capacity. Because the spirit of the Lord will say, do not think that. Otherwise, I'll find someone who can cope. God is looking for leaders that have some gumption, that have some spirit to them, that have some fire. People that will seek God's face, people that will pray, people that are not lukewarm or half-hearted, but people who are on fire for Jesus and just say, Jesus, whatever it is that you want me to do, here I am, send me. And if, Lord Jesus, you want to send 10,000 people in through that church door, yes, I'll probably have a panic attack, but Jesus, we can get it done. Somehow, you'll give us the wisdom. I mean, how do you think the apostles felt? They had a nice little cosy prayer meeting, 120 in the upper room. It's like, this is a good little church we've got going on here. We've got some good numbers. And then suddenly the spirit breaks out and they go from 120 to 3,000 people. But then we know a few weeks later, it says then 5,000 men got saved, let alone the women and the children. I don't do mega church. Well, good for you, but Jesus did in Jerusalem. It's like that church just exploded. You don't hear of anything, do you? You only hear like grumbles and rumours about how that certain widows weren't fed correctly. I think they did a pretty good job. Twelve leaders and a church of goodness knows how many thousands. And then it spread and it spread and it spread and it spread. God wants to get Egypt out of his people. And God is saying, let my people go. The institutions of man are going to come down. Lots of things are coming that, are com that will just come down in these days. But God wants you to be encouraged. He doesn't want his people to be in fear. He doesn't want his people to be in consternation. God showed me this dream once and it was this kraken. It's like a huge octopus thing. And it was, oh, it was, it was so disgusting to look at. It just made me feel violently ill looking at it. And, and it was these eight tentacles and it, it was symbolic of the perfect storm that hit us. It was economic. It was every single thing all coming at one time. And when I looked at this thing, I was terrified. I mean, the fear inside of me, it was just, it was, you know, it was tangible fear. And the Spirit of God said to me, why are you afraid of that? I was like, well, can't you see what it's doing? It's ripping our nation apart. It's literally killing people. And he said, why are you afraid of it? Because we're not supposed to be frightened. We have a commandment in the scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's not an optional extra. It's a commandment. God wants us to be brave in the days ahead. Yes, there'll be much consternation. Yes, there'll be much sadness as we see many large churches just disappear over the next couple of years. But God is wanting to move through his people. God is wanting to do a new thing. 
And the Spirit of God is coming, brothers and sisters. It's going to be unlike anything else you've seen. But it's only going to last for a window of time. It will only be for around about 20 years. We will hit the golden age of the church, where churches will literally meet in football stadiums. Because football stadiums will be desperate to sell their football stadium because they won't be able to use it for anything else. Because there'll just be no money to play football like they used to. The church will take back those cultural icons and turn it into something that glorifies God instead of glorifying man. You're going to see the landscape of Britain change. Now, over the next couple of years, as the church changes on this topography of shift, shifting sand, and you see many churches disappear, you will see a resurgence of home churches and house churches. Now, there will be many churches that will still stand in these days and they will do well. But there will be many that will have to become house churches just to keep Christianity going forward whilst there's such a dearth of Christendom throughout the UK. But in time, when the problem is, is that those house groups are going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And they can't, you know, oh, we're going to go underground. Well, good for you, but you're going to last for a little while before you start getting noticed and you'll come back up above ground. And then those house churches will have to become bigger churches and regular churches with leadership and all that kind of stuff to help it function and help it to do well. Something else I felt the Spirit say this morning as well is that, now this might sound rich coming from me as a leader, but I was once not a leader and I know how you feel about what I'm about to say. But God was showing me through the book of Numbers when there was great grumblings against leadership and where there was people thinking, well, I think actually I should do this job. I think actually, you know, and there was all those people, the sons of Korah, they all came before Moses and said, you know, we're fed up with you leading this lot, telling us what to do, prophesying this and giving us the law and stuff. We, we, and, and you guys thinking that you can serve as priests, we can serve as priests as well. Why can't we all do it? So they all like got before the Lord and, uh, and then Moses came before the Lord and they all basically had this big meeting and then basically God said, okay, all right, sons of Korah, you get your little lavers out so you can offer a priestly offering to the Lord. And then fire came out from the holy place and completely. And then for those, there was another rebellion and the ground literally opened up. Because what God is going to do is so holy in these days. So there will be no toleration anymore. God is not going to tolerate churches being pulled down by Jezebels. God will not tolerate those people anymore. In the book of Revelation, it talks about Jezebel, doesn't it? And say that Jesus said, I'm going to put her on a bed of sickness if she doesn't repent. In other words, I'm going to kill her. We're moving into a time. Now you might think, oh, Chris, this is not very full of grace. This is not the Jesus I know. Actually, this is the Jesus you know. And when God is moving in power, remarkable things happened. I remember in the Azusa Street revival, there were these uh, ladies and they were having this prayer meeting uh, no, I'm not going to go there because that will upset you. We'll just, we'll just bypass that. We'll just move on. The Spirit's saying, don't say it. It will just upset people. But the Holy Spirit will not be mocked in these days that we're coming into. It's a precious move of God. Now, what's going to happen to the politics of our land? The land of Great Britain is going to look very differently. The politics of a conservative and a Labour and a Liberal are going to be meaningless very soon. God is going to raise up a different government. 
People are getting tired with the same old, same old, same old, and the Spirit of God is tired and tired of the same old, the same old, and the heinous laws that have been passed over this land that's profaned this land with its filth. There have been things that have taken away the innocence of our children in schools, and this will all stop. Technology has pushed things too far and this too will stop. It will not be permitted to go where some think it might go. And this government as it stands will not last. Parliament as we know it will collapse on itself and she will not last. But from that chaos and from that rubble will come a new government. One that's not about popularity contests. One that's not about, hey, how awesome I am. But one that will be based on the rule of law. It will not necessarily be a Christian government, but there will be many righteous people in it. And the people that run it will be people of principle. And they'll be putting the needs of the country first, not the needs of their own political career first. But again, this is only for a season. We have a window. And this is the message that God wants to say to his church and his church leaders. You have 20 years. You have 20 years opportunity to build this church bigger than anything you could ever dream or imagine. The spirit of God is going to go before his people as a pillar of smoke by day and as a pillar of fire by night. And we're going to follow him out and he's going to lead us into new territory. He's going to lead us into new places. For the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, they'd never experienced this form of God before. They had no revelation of this kind of God before. They received the Torah by Mount Sinai. They'd never received anything like that before. They'd never seen anything like that. And it's the same with the church where she's going. There'll be things that you have never seen before. Now, God won't change the word of God. That's unalterable. But there'll be things and experiences that you have never seen and you have never experienced that you're going to be coming into. And God wants his bride ready. God wants his people equipped because, saints, we are at war. There is a war going on right now. We are the church militant and we have a battle to contend with. We have an enemy to take down. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers and dominions in heavenly places and our job is to start taking the kingdom again back out to the world but not with words and not in apologetics and not with the cleverness of the wisdom of man but with the power because the gospel is the power of God to salvation to those that believe you're going to see evangelists rise up again in this land you're going to see tent crusades spreading the whole of the UK again like they did back in the 40s, the 50s and the 60s. You are going to see a revival and a resurgence of the evangelist again in this land. You're going to see a resurgence of Joseph's in this land. People that are appointed by God for this moment, for this hour, to help the church through the most difficult time of modern times where there is a financial famine and a spiritual famine. God is going to raise up those Joseph's to help lead the church through this time. God is going to raise up beautiful pastors that will lead his people. God is going to raise up great Bible teachers in this day as well. And God is going to raise up church fathers in this day. For the generation of church fathers are almost gone. Our previous generation are dying away. We have not many left. But God is going to raise up some new people, some greats. Hallelujah. God is also, because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the Spirit saying that many people say, ah, oh, but in this revival, there will be no leaders. There'll be no superstars. You're right. There won't be any superstars, per se, in the sense that you understand it now. 
But there will be great men and women of God and they will be used by God to lead his people because God is immutable. That's how he's always done it. And he ain't going to change because it's a manifestation of kingdom on the earth. It's a manifestation of kingdom in the heavens. God the Father, through his Son, via the Spirit, down through the angelic host, down onto the earth. There is order, there is principle, there is leadership, there is governance in his church, in heaven and on earth. Hallelujah. You're going to see Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, rubbing shoulders, standing shoulder to shoulder in solidarity in love for one another, not picking holes in each other. There'll come a unison of the spirit that will surpass any theology, that will surpass any of your natural knowledge of what you would like to argue about. Those things will not matter in the days ahead because he who's with you is not against you and your God is for you and he's not against you. The time clock is now on the cusp and everything is about to change. And when you see war break out further in Europe, and when you see stock markets starting to shake and tremble and fall, do not be dismayed. But the Lord would say to you, hold up your head high, because you now know that unless this happens, then God's revival cannot come to this land. Unless this land is shaken to its core, unless the people humble, then they will never turn and they will never come to the living God. And some people will question the living God saying, why? Why would you let this happen? Isn't this a cruel and mean thing? No, this is the best thing that I could ever do, believe the Lord is saying, for this nation. Otherwise, they would never turn to me and they would never be saved and they would never know the truth and the power and the glory of my gospel and of the beauty of my son and the power of the spirit of God. Sadly, there are many in the church that don't want to see these days either. But there are those that do. And there's a line that's just been crossed today. And God is looking for an army. But of course, it's going to be Gideon's army. It's not going to be a big army. It's going to be a small army. Because God wants to use the despised and shameful things of this world to shame the wise. Amen. There are new leaders that are coming to the fore. You're going to see battens passed from leaders of old to new leaders. You're going to see household names of Christendom vanish and new ones emerge. But the message that's going to be given in these times is going to be a controversial message. Why? Back in the days when America was being founded, a lot of preachers, they rode out and part of their messages was to tell the people who were British in America to come out of British rule and let America become a sovereign state in our own right. That was a radical message in its day. And there's going to be a radical message given in this day, which may seem divisive, but actually it's not. It's the sound that needs to be heard for the hour in which we're about to come into because it's a relevant prophetic message, just as those preachers back in their time were giving a relevant prophetic message that America needed to become a sovereign nation under God and not come under British rule. 
And so there's a message coming out of the church that will come out in these days that will seem radical and offensive to many. But it's the message of reconciliation and it's the message which is saying the old wineskin doesn't work anymore. Throw it away. Put it down. The old ways are over. It's time for a new season, a fresh anointing, a fresh move of God's Holy Spirit to do things in ways that we've never done it before, to go places where we've never gone before. To boldly go and search out. No. God wants his people to be strong in this day. And the Spirit of God is saying, who is going to be in Gideon's army? Who is going to put their hand up and say, yes, here I am, send me. And God would say, the best requirements for you is this. Some may say, I can't do it because I'm too old. You're hired. Some might say, I can't do it because I'm too young. You're hired. Some might say, I've got too many personal issues. Great. Come on, come on board. Some people might say, you know, I've just I, I, I've, I've lived a terrible life. God, how could you ever use someone like me? And the spirit of God will say, well, we did it through David's um, through David. And he had all those cantankerous men that came to him and he turned them into mighty men of God. So you're, you're hired. Come. But people that say, oh, hire me, Lord. I really know my theology. Jesus, without me, you just ain't going to go nowhere. Jesus, you need me because I'm such a great musician. Jesus, you need me because I'm so awesome. I'm such a great church leader. Jesus, you need me because... No. Those that lap the water with their tongue, the weirdos, come over here. And God is going to raise a generation of ragtag, weirdos, strange people that God's going to turn into like David's mighty men. People that literally changed history. Lord God, I thank you for today, Lord, and I thank you for this message. I thank you that the new season we're now on the cusp of, Lord Jesus. And pray, Lord God, that we can become that Gideon's army that you're looking for in this hour. And Lord, we pray, please, as you take Egypt from our hearts, Lord, that we won't fall. We may shake and may be rocked side to side, but that we will stand firm in your truth, Lord Jesus, so that we can be that beautiful, holy church that you need for the hour in which we're coming into, the hour which we're now upon the cusp of. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>